Hello, hockey fans. Welcome to this week's episode of From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm your host, Amy Johnson, the lead correspondent here at the AHL Report. And I'm joined each and every week by my wonderful co-host, uh, he's the founder of all of our Rocket Sports Media uh, platforms and projects, and he's also our editor-in-chief, and he is the one and only Rick Stevens. How are you today on the last day of March? Last day of March, moving into April already, and uh, I'm doing fine, thanks. Um, doing very well. And, uh, and again, we have lots and lots to talk about in the uh, in the world of hockey, we do. It is the last day of March. I'm going to go on the record as saying, um, if anybody's smart, they've canceled their April Fool's gags for tomorrow because yeah, I I, I think we're all <laughs> I think you know March has already been one giant April Fool. <laughs> Don't think we need any of those. Um, but yeah, I mean. It feels like every week that goes by flies by, but at the same time, it feels like six months worth of things happen in the world in the course of seven days. So it's this weird juxtaposition. (laughs) That's for sure. Now, quite often we talk about what is the national day. And um, I, Mm -hmm. I think, I think today's national crayon day or something, which is, which is fine. But yesterday, uh, and I saw this, recognized on social media and um and on the news uh national doctor's day that was quite appropriate and i think we can even extend it to you know the first responders and medical practitioners and medical workers uh, yeah 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 we should we should recognize them all absolutely medical workers for as you said first responders um all of them you know we they're what's really um they're out there on the front lines and a lot of times without proper protection. And um, we just pray to keep all of them safe as well, because uh, we all need them for the people who they are, but we certainly need them during a crisis like this. So um, kudos to them and thank you to them. That's, that's uh, it was, it's a well-timed national day yesterday. Mm-hmm. Well-timed. Thing um, is that usually we sit back and say, okay, you know, they're the professionals. They have to do their thing. They have to save us. But um, by everybody staying home, we're actually helping them. We're actually right. making sure that we're not adding to their workload. Uh, so we can legitimately do our part here and and help them by just staying home. Just stay home. Home is a nice place to be. Home is a nice place. Doobie. Uh, and I'm not bored yet, so I don't know if that makes me weird or <laughs> my husband and I just have a very long to-do list and a very long to-watch and to-read list. So, you know, we're good. It's just I'm about fun. keeping busy. It's, it's, it's yeah. um, you know, not, not, um, not relying on someone else to, to entertain you. Just, looking after yourself and entertaining yourself and, and being okay with being by yourself. That's right. That is right. Well, I, I mean, before we get to the hockey stuff, I said, you know, the two watch lists as, as well. So I have to ask, 
um, are, this is, this is a question for Rick, but it's a question for all of our listeners as well. Are you watching Tiger King? (laughs) If I say the word and the name Joe exotic, do you know what I'm talking about? It's, it's really funny to watch. There's a there's an article on NHL.com it came out yesterday, um, and it's it's players. Um, I think it's in a Zoom um, uh, broadcast uh, where where John Tavares and and Brady Kachuk and Zdeno Chera and uh, and others are talking about Tiger King, um, mm-hmm. and it's odd to see them. Um, you know, all kind of have an opinion and, and uh, kind of reveal a bit about their uh, personality. But just, I mean, just for the curiosity factor, it's, it's, it's one of the most bizarre shows you've ever seen. Um, just take a look so that you know uh, what everybody else is talking about. That's right. It's, um, it's on Netflix. If, if, <laughs> if you've been staying away from social media and you have no idea what we're talking about, it's a new true crime, um, real life uh, documentary series on Netflix called Tiger King. And it explores the CD back operations of America's big cat owners. These are people who, raise and deal with big exotic animals like tigers and lions and leopards and cheetahs and monkeys and all that kind of stuff. And you'd think you hear that and you think, well, why would I want to watch that? Trust me. Um, And there will be no spoilers here because I'm actually, I'm actually, we're, we're only a few episodes into it. We haven't finished it yet, but um, just when you think you've seen it all, just wait 10 minutes and then, the next most bizarre thing you've ever heard of will have happened. Uh, it's, it's, um, these people are a bit of a train wreck. And as I heard, I heard someone say, uh, on the radio the other day, um, you can't possibly help but feel good about yourself <laughs> when you watch Tiger King, because whatever you've got going on is not anywhere close to these people. Um, it's, uh, <laughs> As they say, you know, it takes all kinds to make the world go round, and they're really testing the limits of that with this with this show. Now, this isn't much of a spoiler, um, but there is a guy who has lost both legs after a zipline accident, um, and you think, okay, that's 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 a story. That's that's, I, I, and it's only something that's men- mentioned in passing because mm-hmm. it's not nearly the weirdest thing that that's happened in this. Um, and it's, it was, um, uh, Mark Giordano who said, let me find the quote here. Mark Giordano said, Oh my God, this show is nuts. You'll like it. You'll like it. Trust me, buddy. It's the weirdest thing I've seen in a long time. That came from, from, um, the, uh, zoom, um, uh, broadcast that they did with him. It's, (laughs) It's just weird. It's just bizarre really is and trust me you will be entertained you might even learn a couple of things um it's uh boy it's quite something to watch um so yeah let us know tweet us at the ahl report on twitter let us know if you're watching it what you think of it um and if you're watching something else that's kind of completely 
under the radar. Tiger King certainly isn't right now. But if you're watching something really good on Netflix or Amazon Prime or Hulu or Epics or HBO or Showtime, whatever, that you think is an, a very underrated show or movie, uh, give us a tweet. Let us know. We'd love to uh, share that with the community in case everyone's kind of watched and been through all of the more popular things or the more well-known things. Uh, we can get a little community sharing good kind going on. So tweet us at the AHL report to let us know. Um, Going along with that, then you did mention we have a lot of hockey to talk about today. And we certainly do. Uh, We're going to, of course, start out uh, with our first segment, uh, which focuses on the, the organizations of the Montreal Canadiens and the Philadelphia Flyers. And believe it or not, you know, last week we mentioned, oh, there's some, Uh, contracts that we've had, I bet more are going to be coming. Well, sure enough, we have two more contracts uh, for Montreal and another contract for Philadelphia to discuss today, uh, as well as um, mention just a little bit of an injury report from um, a conference call that Chuck Fletcher did with the media yesterday. Um, In the second segment, we're going to go, instead of going around the AHL in the second segment, we're actually going to go around the hockey world in the second segment. And we're going to talk about um, a familiar face who just got a new contract elsewhere um, in the league. We're going to talk about someone who announced his retirement yesterday, much to the chagrin of some of our listeners. Uh, And we're also going to talk about a couple of, you know, everywhere with this coronavirus epidemic, you see private industry, stepping up to to lend a hand and do what they can. And that's no different in the sporting world. And so we're going to talk about a couple of sports-related companies that are answering the call and doing their part to help fight COVID-19. Uh, so we'll have that in the second segment as well. And then in the third segment, this is one you don't want to miss. We have a very special guest, uh, Russ Cohen, joining us. Uh, he's going to talk to us a little bit about uh, the NCAA and some prospects, uh, as well as talk about a brand new book of his that is available for pre-order right now. It's actually public. It will be published next Tuesday, a week from today on April 7th uh, is when it officially comes out, but it is available for pre-order now. So you won't want to miss that interview. We had a great uh, long discussion with, with Russ about a lot of things revolving around NCAA hockey. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Flyers prospects in the NCAA, talked about some Montreal Canadiens prospects in the, in the NCAA. It, you don't want to miss it. That's coming up in our third segment. So, Rick, you were right. We have a lot of hockey to talk about today. Well, let's get going. Let's get going. So let's start off first and foremost with the Montreal Canadiens. And we did mention, okay, there's a couple of uh, couple of new contracts. The first one uh, that happened um, last, kind of midweek last week, is the return of a face that's pretty familiar for those of you who pay attention to the Laval Rocket, and that is defenseman Gustav Olofsson. Uh, The Canadians agreed to a one-year two-way contract with him for next year. Um, Of course, that's the $750,000 in the NHL, $250,000 in the AHL. Um, And so this past, uh, this this season, uh, just although this season has been cut short as of now, uh, he had uh, 17 points, one goal and 16 assists 
um, and managed to also slot in for three three games with the NHL club uh, this year as well. So, Rick, we've got Gustav Olofsson locked up for another year. Yeah, good for him. Uh, it was a, a season where he escaped injury, and that's, that's saying something um, as he had been having some problems in the previous uh, seasons. He had shoulder surgery in the off season. Uh, easy for me to say. Um, uh, <laughs> and seemed to, um, uh, maybe a slow start um, and uh, was a little bit gun shy at first. Uh, and it took him uh, probably into the, into the 2020 calendar year before he was looking really comfortable out there and, and playing more physical, which is a big part of, of his game. He's got good size. Um, mm-hmm. Just a very smart guy, a very, uh, uh, his positioning is good. And, um, and uh, I thought he did quite well. Um, now he, he didn't look good uh, at the end of November when he was called up to the Montreal Canadiens um, three game stint. Um, uh, and, and was a minus four in those games and started out, um, uh, 11 minutes against the Flyers, uh, seven minutes against the Bruins, and then less than six minutes against the Islanders and then was returned probably a little too early in his, uh, um, in his comeback to, um, for, for the call up and, and he didn't look great, but I think that would have, you know, he would have looked much differently if the call up came later in the season. And, and uh, certainly his goal is to play in the NHL and, and uh, perhaps he'll get a, a chance to uh, be a, one of those bottom pairing, maybe a seven, eight defenseman um, uh, when, when uh, the new season begins, whenever that Absolutely. is. When, yeah, whenever that happens to be. Uh, and I, I agree with you there. Um, you know, Gustav Olofsson has kind of steadily, slowly come along uh, of this season and, um, you know, wasn't exactly um, wowing people right out of the gate. But I think as he settled into things and, and maybe got, uh, you know, the defensive pairings for Joel Bouchard and Laval this year weren't always really consistent in some ways they were in some ways they weren't. And so I think once he found some consistency with, with a, with someone being paired with, I I think that really helped his game as well. So um, as you say, I think needs a little more seasoning, Uh, you know, a little more time spent in the AHL. And I think he'll have a a better call up the next time he gets a look uh, up with the NHL club. Now the other contract that got done, uh, this this past week um, is one that I know Laval fans and Montreal fans were chomping at the bit to get to see this guy play, and then the season came screeching to a halt, and that didn't happen. Uh, Jesse Yelonen came over from the Finnish Liga um, and was all set to finish out the remainder of the AHL season with the Laval Rocket. Still had a, a lingering nagging minor injury uh, that he was just finishing rehabbing when he came over from Finland. Um, and so for the, the few games that he was with the team, uh, he didn't actually get to play. He was practicing, but didn't get to play. Um, unfortunately. Uh, so as of right now, fans were denied the opportunity to get to see what he could do on North American ice, but, uh, Mark Bergevin has gone ahead and 
had him sign his three-year entry-level contract. Um, and so that certainly means we'll be seeing plenty of him whenever hockey gets back to, uh, to happening. That's right. If the, the season uh, hadn't been interrupted, there's no question we would have seen uh, Yelonen in, in Laval. A very slick playmaker. He looked really good at the development camp, and, mm-hmm. um, and no, no question he would have he would have played um, and helped the Laval Rocket um, down the, the the playoff stretch. Uh, but but for that uh, minor injury that that um, you know it, it probably would have needed a few games, but uh, uh, would have would have played uh, eventually. Um, and at the time, the the Canadians just signed him uh, to uh, a PTO uh, to to let him play out the rest of the season. But with the season um, in jeopardy, the, the Canadians went ahead and signed him now to his. Uh, three-year entry-level contract. So, um, when that when the clock starts on that, we'll, we're not we're not sure. Um, but um, yeah, he'll um, he'll be exciting to watch when uh, when the Laval Rocket finally get back on the ice. Absolutely. Now, on the Philadelphia Flyers side of things, uh, we have another. You know, last week we talked about the fact that Tanner Lazinski had been signed. This time, it's Wade Allison signing his entry-level contract. Uh, Wade has uh, been playing. Uh, the right winger has been playing with Western Michigan, um, and uh, played all four uh, all four years in the NCAA at Western Michigan. Had uh, 45 goals and 52 assists in 106 games, plus a uh, plus 30 rating, which is pretty decent. Uh, he was the alternate captain for the last two seasons. Um, and uh, he's, he's been doing pretty well uh, in the NCAA. And I know Flyers fans are very anxious to see uh, what Wade Allison is going to bring to the organization. In fact, uh, later in the show, when we do talk to Russ Cohen, he's going to give, give us his, his spin on Wade Allison from, from his uh, NCAA scouting uh, experience as well, but Rick, I think uh, I think Wade Allison, like Tana Lazinski, was was pretty exciting. Um, you know, this is a second rounder uh, for the Flyers, uh, drafted 52nd overall back in 2016. I, I think this is a guy who's got uh, a lot of upside coming for the for the Flyers and their and their affiliate. Yeah, not um, not that kind of. He's not going to be terribly offensively uh, productive, but a uh, pretty valuable player. And I, it's just um, you look at that. You mentioned he was taken in the second round of 2016 draft. You look at that draft um, and and how successful the the Flyers were. Um, there was ten players uh, selected in the 2016 draft class, and um, Allison is now the seventh member uh, to uh, be under contract with the club. Um, And we think of Carter Hart and Carson Twerinski, Connor Bunneman, uh, German Rupsoff. Um, That was, uh, you know, um, uh, very successful and and, uh, um, uh, just a a wonderful way to stock the Flyers. and, And they've certainly been benefiting from that. Absolutely. Um, and I think it's as, you know, as we've said before, Ron Hextall did a great job drafting. If there's, that was, you know, his 
I think his legacy on the Flyers organization is is going to be uh, the stocking of the cupboard that he did. He drafted very well for many years. um, And, you know, over the last couple of seasons, Philadelphia Flyers fans have been able to see some of that come to fruition. And it's, it's really exciting to see that that's still happening. You've got a couple of guys now coming, coming along uh, this coming year, uh, just starting their ELCs who are, who are exciting prospects. Um, I think there's a pretty good reason why uh, the Flyers prospect pool is, is one of the top rated in the NHL. And uh, I think Wade Allison is going to be a great addition. Uh, speaking of Flyers management, I do just want to uh, make mention that uh, Chuck Fletcher did a conference call with uh, members of local media uh, yesterday, actually, and he talked about a, a number of different things. Um, you know what it's you know what it's like being on pause right now for the season. What their you know bigger issues at work, things like that. Uh, says that he he talks every day to both of his um, assistant GMs, uh, Brent Flair and and Barry Hanrahan. Um, they talk every day. Um, he talks at least once a week with Alain Vigneault. So they've you know they're they're keeping up all of their communication. But the one thing that he did mention that I just thought I would pass along, um, which I don't know. I, it'd be nice if uh, if the Canadians would would do this as well. Is he gave injury updates on um, everyone at the time of the pause who was out with injury. So uh, Nate Thompson, familiar name for Philadelphia Flyers fans, um, or excuse me, uh, Montreal Canadiens fans as well. Um, if you remember, he what it wasn't long that he was with the Flyers and would then suffered a knee sprain on a March 10th. Um, he has now fully recovered. He's medically cleared to return to play. Um, Philippe Myers with a fractured right kneecap um, would be ready to be cleared shortly, like a, right around the time of the, the regular start of the NHL playoffs. Um, so basically He's not quite ready yet, but he'll be ready in another week or two. Um, Van Riemsdyk, who's got a broken right index finger, uh, still on target for for his four to six weeks in rehabbing. Um, And he went on to talk a little bit about, you know, Nolan Patrick is still progressing, still no real timetable on his return. Um, Oscar Lindblom, he spoke about saying that uh, Oscar is continuing um, his his fight battling uh, Ewing sarcoma, the cancer that he was diagnosed with. Um, so he's still progressing through that. And that Sam Moran, uh, who tore his ACL early this season, uh, is still on his rehab program as well. So it was just nice to kind of hear Fletcher touch base and say, yes, you know, the long-term injuries are still rehabbing. Most of the short-term injuries uh, are either fully rehabbed and, and cleared for play or are very close to doing so. So we still don't know when, uh, Hockey's going to happen, but at least we have an update on how those injuries are coming along. Uh, With that being said, we will take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to go around the hockey world, and we're going to first talk about uh, a familiar name for Canadians fans uh, who has just signed another contract elsewhere in the league. We're going to give you an update there and talk about uh, a fan favorite who uh, recently announced his retirement. So don't go anywhere. We'll be back right after this. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. 
Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. For all the latest news, interviews, analysis, and commentary about the Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and every other team in the American Hockey League, as well as information on prospects, junior hockey, and international hockey, head over to AHL.Report, the home of the AHL Report. Follow along on Twitter at the AHL Report for live game updates, ringside photography, game recaps, and articles containing exclusive audio and video of your favorite players. That's the AHL Report, proud partner of Rocket Sports Media, AHL.Report. Welcome back to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And be sure you're following us on Twitter. You can find us at the AHL Report. Uh, You'll want to be sure you're following us there. Tweet at us. Uh, We'd love to hear from you anytime. Uh, And there you can also follow along with all of the new content that we've got coming out, as well as uh, pertinent information and news and updates of things going on in the hockey world. Uh, So you'll want to be sure to follow us at the AHL Report. Um, Rick, do you recall a name? Is this a familiar name for you, one Michael Chaput? Oh, I do. You do. Mm-hmm. Well, Michael Chaput uh, hasn't been with the Montreal Canadiens organization for a little while now, but uh, it seems that he's really um, found found a place for himself in the Arizona Coyotes organization. Uh, they just re-signed him to a one-year two-way contract. Um, and for those of you who haven't followed Chaput's career since he left the Canadiens organization, uh, he will be returning as uh, the Coyotes' AHL affiliate, the the Tucson Roadrunners, he'll be returning as their captain again this year. Um, in this shortened 2019-20 season, Chapu had 16 goals and 13 assists for 29 points in just 47 games. Um, and actually, he was a uh, Flyers fans would be familiar with the name as well because he was drafted by Philadelphia in the third round in 2010. Um, so congratulations to Michael Chaput. Looks like he's carved a little niche out for himself uh, there out West. Michael Chaput traded at the trade deadline uh, a year ago um, mm. for Jordan Wheel. Um, oh, well, okay then. And Jordan, I mean, Jordan Wheel. <laughs> I know Jordan Wheel has his moments for me. There's times he plays really well. There's times that, I wonder if he knows what game he's playing, but (laughs) (laughs) that's neither here nor there, I guess. Um, But yes, uh, you know, Shapu just wasn't, wasn't getting a good foothold uh, for the, in the Canadians organization. And Jordan wheel seems to, um, to have been fitting in a little bit better in the Canadians organization. Shapu seems to have found a better, a better home for himself as well. Now, Rick, it's Tuesday. And mm-hmm. whether whether your household is, you know, if it, perhaps you're a household that is still doing all of the delivery and takeout from all of the restaurants in the area that are still open, okay. or perhaps you're more like 
my household that's, you know, kind of just cooking at home all the time as much as possible to self-isolate as much as possible. No matter what your quarantine, stay-at-home, social distancing method of eating is, there is no denying that it's Taco Tuesday. There's just no denying. And how, how's that? Well, because it's Tuesday, and on Tuesday, Eddie Lack eats tacos. It, Eddie Lack <laughs> lives and dies for Taco Tuesday. And as I tweeted yesterday, Taco Tuesdays are going to look a little different from now on because Eddie Lack announced his retirement yesterday. I think this caught some people, I don't know, maybe a little off guard. Um, he's kind of had had an up and down of it in the last season or so, um, but he's hanging up the skates. So he's going to have a lot more time to spend at home to cook tacos on Taco Tuesdays. Well, he's going to have a lot more time to um, to uh, cook up tacos and uh, to sell you a house if you're in the Arizona uh, <laughs> area because he is becoming a real estate agent. Um yeah. And that he announced in his his retirement video, uh, uh, Eddie Lack is is one of the the more colorful personalities in hockey. Um, mm-hmm. uh, just a um, just a happy <laughs> happy uh, kind of guy who loves life, always has a smile. Um, most fans remember him uh, when he was with the Vancouver Canucks and and uh, and and his his association with Roberto Luongo and, and uh, the hijinks that those two got into. And yes, his, his love of tacos, um, which, uh, well, uh, if you watch his uh, retirement video, Roberto Luongo makes an appearance and talks about uh, in, in uh, quite um, uh, frank terms um, and talks about uh, Eddie's love for tacos. Um he he is he's just a a wonderful guy. We we saw him when he was in the uh, in the AHL with Binghamton, um, and um, I think that as you said, he he is uh, he's had a rough go of it. In his his videos, he talks about um, his uh, injuries for the last six years, uh, particularly a hip injury. He's a very mm-hmm. um, um, not, not so much a, a positional goaltender, but, a um, an athletic goaltender and he really relied yeah. on his athletics, uh, ability and he wasn't able to, uh, to do that for the last, uh, several years, uh, because of a chronic injury, um, that he was suffering. So he's made the difficult decision, uh, to, um, uh, to retire um, uh, a rather uh, at the rather young age of 32 um, and uh, he'll he'll continue on with other projects as as I said uh, real estate is is one area that he's going to go into um, he has volunteered this past season um, for uh, Arizona State University the NCAA as as a goaltending coach and and I expect that uh, that will continue um, as well. Um, one of the things that he said was that um, 
that he's going to be far more freed up on social media to be able to express his opinion, which, <laughs> which if you've read, read his Twitter in the past, it was pretty out there. But he says that he's not going to have a, a media guy from a team uh, looking over and monitoring his tweets. Oh, so he'll, my. He'll be able to be himself, uh, which, uh, again, he's going to so ramp we've all it up been warned. Uh, another level. Yeah, we have been. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So good luck to him in in in, in his retirement, and uh, just a real fun personality in the game of hockey, and and we wish him well. Absolutely, I I I personally want to know what an Eddie Lack open house is going to look like. <laughs> you know, most realtors, you know, they have the fresh baked cookies and the refreshments and the you know the balloons tied at the end of the driveway for for an open house. I'm going to bet Eddie Lack is going to go in a different direction. And I would, I might have to, There's you know, gotta be a taco truck at the end of the driveway. Well, that's, gotta I, I'm like, okay, I might have to, you know, dial up a, a showing in Arizona just to, <laughs> just to see what kind of, what kind of gimmicks is Eddie Lack going to pull out? It's going to be interesting and fun. I bet. <laughs> um, now kind of switching gears here, um, to you know the reason that we're talking so much about all of these pauses and and all of this other news that isn't hockey being played is of course we're all still in the midst of dealing with the coronavirus epidemic pandemic um and and what it has mean as as sports have just ground to a complete halt uh, all over the world um in fact, you know, we've we've been saying, oh, well, we don't know when the NHL is coming back. You know, they're they're in a pause right now. And there's all, of course, constantly speculation on what if they restart the season, what's it going to look like? Are they going to try to play the, the rest of the regular season? Are they going to play late in the summer? Um, you'll remember that the NHL has has asked teams to inquire about their buildings availabilities in July and August. In fact, uh, just breaking while we've been on the air here today, now uh, the city of Tor- the mayor of the city of Toronto has come out to say that all permits for all public events will be banned until June 30th. So I'm going to bet that that would include no massive gatherings at the ACC. Um, so that's going to be. You know, as more cities start to do those types of things, that's going to start forcing the NHL's hands in those in those decisions as well. Um, but Rick, what's really been we talk about the, in fact, I think we talked about it last week a little bit uh, on the show as well. It's in in the midst of all of the the fear and the anxiety, the uncertainty, the frustration uh, that goes along with coronavirus and and what's happening in the world and in in North America uh, you know it's been it's been great to see heartwarming stories good stories of people doing good things to help one another help their neighbors um, sometimes helping complete strangers uplifting things that people are doing to try to keep everyone's spirits uh, good and and things of that nature and and what's really coming out now is this incredible movement by the private sector and, and privately owned businesses who are at the, at the drop of a hat, just innovating and figuring out ways that they can help. 
Um, you know, you've got major automotive industry that are changing their factories and manufacturing plants to help create N95 masks and, and other medical equipment or testing equipment, or, you know, it's just, it's incredible to see, you know, Hey, capitalism. I mean, private industry, when, when given the freedom to, to create and innovate and, and pull together, it's amazing to see what can happen. And there's a couple of companies that are doing that as well. Um, I'll kind of, hand it to you first to talk about the, the hockey related one that's pure hockey. And that's Bauer. Um, Bauer's really stepped up and, uh, and have, are they're doing something pretty incredible right now. Now, I think that, that, um, you know, Canada, U S we, we share North America. Uh, we share a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of things that, that tie us together and, and, and we share a lot of similar, uh, traits but one thing that um the u.s does better than we do is uh when you talk about uh, private industry and and certainly the way they've stepped up has been amazing to see i saw our, our um industry minister today talking about receiving emails and he's going to email people back over the next month and whereas in the u.s um, you know, they decide, okay, we're going to refit our factory. Two days later, they're producing masks and, and, and other such things. Uh, mm-hmm. One company that, that actually straddles the border and, and uh, has a plant in, in Liverpool, New York, as well as uh, here in Quebec in Blainville, uh, is Bauer. And um, um, normally they're, they're uh, producing protective equipment for uh, for hockey players, and um, uh, now they've they've switched it up so that they are going to be providing the uh, the face shields um, for medical personnel. Uh, they have the um, the technology, um, you know, from the helmets uh, and and the, the visors, and so they're going to be um, producing face shields, um, which is which is fantastic. It's it's. Uh, uh, these face shields are are uh, have a headband. They they have a, 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 a plastic in the front, but they're also treated with an anti-fogging material, just as as visors are uh, for hockey players. So um, they're adapting the technology that they already have to produce um, something that's going to be very valuable. Uh, to doctors, nurses, and and all the personnel in in, in hospitals um, and. I think I think they should be saluted for um, for stepping up at this real time of need. Absolutely, and you know, it's when you hear about something like that, you have to wonder too: is this an opportunity for for a company like Bauer or any of these companies that are doing this to once once this crisis settles down and 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 gets under control, have they? Are, you know, do they simply go back to what? completely doing what they used to do or, or did they suddenly say, well, gosh, um, maybe we open a, a second manufacturing facility and we do this as a, as a second offering of, of what our company does. Um, you know, th- this could end up being very good for business for a lot of these corporations down the road as well, if they opt to, to, because they've, they've found ways to innovate and do what they do, best and and figure out a way to alter what they do best in a in a new way 
it gives it it could be opening new doors for these companies as well, which is which is pretty incredible to see. The other one, everyone is pretty familiar. If you're a sports fan, you're familiar with Fanatics, and um, whether you love their gear or hate their gear, you know <laughs> you know all about Fanatics. If you own sports gear, I guarantee there's a Fanatics logo on it somewhere. Um, they have also um, joined the fight. And um, it's this 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 one is kind of near and dear to my heart because not only does this take place about about 30 minutes down the road from me, but I also have kind of a personal tie to this as well. So there is a Fanatics manufacturing facility. There's a factory here in Pennsylvania, uh, located in Easton, Pennsylvania, which is about a, about a half an hour from where I live, um, and they make uh, MLB Major League Baseball jerseys there, and so. Um, they've decided, uh, Michael Rubin uh, announced, I guess it was the end of last week. It was, it was just recently. He said, he woke up in the middle of the night with an idea of converting our Fanatics factory in Pennsylvania that makes official MLB jerseys into a facility that makes much-needed masks and gowns and then donating them to help fight this horrendous virus. And he says, this past week, Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf and the Pennsylvania Attorney General each called me saying they desperately needed help getting masks and gowns to the frontline workers across Pennsylvania. So fast forward to today, Fanatics and MLB have halted production of all MLB jerseys and instead are using that same fabric we make the jerseys with to make masks and gowns. They have approximate one, They have about 100 associates working at this Pennsylvania facility uh, practicing extra safe distancing and a very clean and safe working environment. They plan to make 1 million masks and gowns and immediately donate and distribute them to hospitals and emergency management personnel across Pennsylvania with an ultimate goal of extending it into New Jersey and New York as well. As we all know, that's kind of the epicenter in the United States right now. Um, And he thanks major league baseball commissioner, Rob Manfred for, um, helping to make uh, this transition happen as quickly as possible and agreeing that they could halt production on, on major league baseball jerseys. Um, And so first of all, I, again, I love the innovation. I, if you, if you've seen any of the, the pictures, I love that it happens to be they're modeling the hospital gown and mask in the classic um, Phillies white fabric with the red pinstripe. Um, so it's uh, for a Pennsylvania resident sports fan, it's kind of near and dear to my heart. I love that it's taking place just down the road. Um, my own personal anecdote with it, the facility that they're talking about, this Fanatics factory in Pennsylvania, is actually a place called Majestic Athletic. Uh, it was a an American textile company that's been around uh, since the mid-1970s. It was a family-run op- operation um, and back in the days when I was a television reporter for PBS, uh, I went and did a story on Majestic Athletic. Um, this was this was years ago, um, and I toured the facility and met the the owners and all of the the family that then was working there and and saw how they uh, operated at the time. Um, back in 2003, Majestic Athletic won a a $500 million five-year contract, which started in 2005 to be the exclusive supplier of uniforms, jackets, t-shirts, fleece, and turtlenecks to all 30 
Major League Baseball teams. So basically anything that you would see a Major League Baseball player wearing on the field from 2005 to 2010, it was made by Majestic Athletic right here in Easton, Pennsylvania. Um, They had already been making jerseys for 15 baseball teams at the time of the announcement, but this new contract uh, expanded that. And then they eventually were bought out um, by VF Corporation and then um, eventually Fanatics joined in. And so now it is a Fanatics production facility, but uh, I love that it's in Pennsylvania. I love that it's helping Pennsylvania Trice workers right now, but uh, I've actually gotten to tour that facility and the family that first started it back in the mid seventies. And it's a pretty incredible little place. Um, And so it's kind of extra special for me to talk about that one. That sounds, that sounds great. And, you know, it's, it's not only um, companies that are stepping up, uh, but individuals. And we've, we've seen it all across hockey, Um, um, NHL specific or AHL specific. um, I liked the initiative by uh, Chris Terry, Uh, Chris Terry, former, Oh yeah, uh, St. John's Ice Cap, and and now a member of the Grand Rapids Griffins, and uh, he and the Griffins um, are supporting a um, food basket for kids uh, in in the local area, and so they've mm. set up a fundraising program uh, to raise a modest amount of money, uh, ten thousand um, dollars, and are asking fans to contribute what they can. Um, Chris has made a uh, a donation to it, his fellow teammates, uh, Eric Tangrady um, and Calvin Picard have also given. Uh, but uh, those who donate, um, it says, uh, those who donate will receive, um, if you donate between 25 and $49, you get recognition on the Griffins website. If you, if you donate between 50 and $74, you get entered into a draw to win some Griffin's memorabilia. But if you donate $75 or more, you um, get an entry to win a round of golf with Chris Terry, which is, which is fantastic. Yeah. Which is fantastic. Wouldn't that be fun fun for a a hockey fan? Uh, What a great um, initiative by Chris, who's, who's a terrific guy. And, and it's these kinds of, in addition to, corporations and and some of the bigger donations by the NHLers it's really nice to see uh the AHLers also uh contributing and and stepping up to help their their local communities that's wonderful love to see things like that um and good on Chris Terry good on Chris Terry and well you know I'm sure he doesn't mind that he's going to get to play around a golf out out of all of this that's that's not a terrible you know but honey it's for it's for good, it's for a good cause. I gotta hit the links today. <laughs> um, but but yes, congratulations on a on a great initiative. Helping out however you can. It doesn't, you know. We certainly appreciate uh, the the celebrities and athletes and and executives and so forth who can make very large financial contributions. But you know what? It really takes it takes a village and even, even small amounts, day-to-day people, you know, $5, $10, every little bit helps uh, when it comes to the charity or, or good cause of your choice. So, um, you know, it's, everyone is feeling the the pinch right now and and the crunch. uh, And so it's, it's nice to see people coming together like that. 
On the other side of this break, you do not want to miss. We have a great uh, guest coming. We have a wonderful interview with Russ Cohen uh, from Sportsology.com. He's here to talk about the NCAA prospects of the Canadians and Flyers in college hockey and his new book that comes out next week. So don't go away. You won't want to miss this. Be sure to follow us on social media. Find us on Twitter at the AHL report. Check out our original game photography on Instagram at AHL report and watch our exclusive video interviews with players, coaches, and other notable hockey names on our YouTube channel at all Habs. Just remember to turn on notifications so that you never miss a video. The AHL Report, your premier source for Laval Rocket, Lehigh Valley Phantoms, and all American Hockey League news. From the Press Box is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. In addition to building a worldwide network of sports fans, the team at RSM is also dedicated to mobilizing the sports community in ways that make a difference in the lives of others. Giving back to the community bridges the gap between team affiliations. It's something any fan can support. RSM proudly provided support for organizations and projects like Hockey Fights Cancer, Five Hole for Food, the Montreal Canadiens Children's Foundations, Autism Speaks, Leukemia and Lymphoma Society of Canada, and the People of Canada Portrait Project, just to name a few. If you would like to be involved with a Rocket Power project or have a worthy fundraising initiative you'd like us to be part of, please contact us at rocketsportsmedia.com. Welcome back once again to From the Press Box right here on the AHL Report. Again, I'm your host, Amy Johnson, joined by my co-host, Rick Stevens. And you can find us at the AHL Report on Twitter. Be sure you're following us. You can also find Rick at All Habs. You can find me at Flyers Rule. And make sure you're following along. We'd love to hear from you all throughout the week. Um, you know, keep in touch during during this time. It's a great time to make sure that you're chatting with other people about the things you love and we love to talk about hockey so so be sure to find us on social media and follow along there for all of our great uh, content and things of that nature joining us now as a special guest here at from the press box this afternoon rick and i are very happy to welcome to the show for the first time uh, i can't believe it's taken us this long to have you on the show but we're happy to have him here russ cohen owner of Sportsology.com. He's also uh, a prospect writer for various outlets. I'm sure that you have seen his name out there. Uh, and he joins us today to talk a little bit about prospects in college hockey. Russ, thanks so much for being with us. Hey, thanks, Amy. Thanks, Rick. Uh, nice talking to you guys. I usually talk to you at least once a year, sometimes <laughs> twice. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and we're happy to have you here today. It's, uh, you know, Part of the reason we had had this uh, this guest appearance scheduled around the NCAA Midwest Regional Tournament that was scheduled to take place right about now. Uh, and then, of course, as luck would have it, uh, coronavirus uh, hit the United States and uh, the NCAA season has been canceled. So unfortunately, we don't get to see you at that event Um but uh, obviously more unfortunately is, is the very abrupt ending of a lot of uh, college hockey seasons, particularly for seniors who are finishing their college hockey careers. Um, and so I guess we kind of want to start there with you, Russ, is just um, 
this this sudden cancellation, you know, the NCAA kind of came reluctantly to the cancellation at first, you know, the tournaments were going to take place without spectators in the building and so forth, but the season has been canceled and and Rick is is there is there a, what are your first thoughts for for Rust on on this situation? Well, in talking about the 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 normal schedule of events, um I I wonder if you can talk kind of in a general sense about you know, at, at this time of year, we often see player, college player signings, whether they're free agents or, or those players who are property of an NHL team. And, and we've seen a few, um, you know, Drew O'Connor signed by the Penguins, Tanner Lezinski mm-hmm. by, the, by the Flyers, uh, Scott Perunovich uh, from UMD expect to sign with the Blues. Um, but if you can talk about those kinds of things that you see happening um, we saw Alex Lamogue in uh, at Penn State in in November. Um, you know he's he's uh, been considered that he might be signing with uh, a number of NHL teams or uh, Jack Oshon or or um, Drew, um, um, uh, Mitchell Chaffee. Uh, mm-hmm. You know those kinds of players yeah, that that we we'd normally see uh, happening. What's going to happen with them? Are they going to sign? Is it going to be delayed? Um, how does the NHL pause affect all of this? Well, for one thing, like we wouldn't normally even be talking about Perenovich because, you know, you're talking about a two-time champ trying to go for a third, and now they don't get a shot, right? Right. So with Minnesota Duluth, like you, we don't even talk about their guys till the very end. <laughs> so the fact that the fact that the name has come up lets you know that you know there's something weird going on, and yeah. I've spoken to a player like in in the baseball system that is definitely broken up about it they sort of found out last minute like most sports uh it's one of those things where you know they're still out there they're they're getting news they're hopeful like yeah it might still happen so they're still training they're still going through all this stuff and then all of a sudden it's over and so i think a lot of players had to get over the shock that it's over and then you know once they did that then I think you saw some sign, and then maybe, you know, there were others sending feelers around that they normally can do and gauging interest. And, and But I, I think right now with the uncertainty in the NHL, with the cap, with everything else, that I think we're seeing a lot of guys revert back to the team that drafted them where maybe they wouldn't have gone that way if everything was status quo because it's safe. It's like, right. all right, look, we already are under con- – you know, we already are a draft pick of theirs. They want us. Let's just sign there. Let's not mess around with this because, you know, there's a great unknown out there. And I, so I don't know if there will be as many free agents as there used to be and usually are. And I, I see more guys reverting back, even ones that, you know, surprise me a little. So I think we're going to see more of that. I think the agents are playing it safe not agents, advisors, right, um, are playing it safe with their – I know we have to say the word. They're playing it safe, and um, and I think the players are playing it safe right now because otherwise you've got to wait. You're going to wait till August, in some cases, August 15th, and then, you know, what if there was no season? Like if there's a season at that point, okay, maybe some of those guys feel a little better about being a free agent, but what if there was no season? And now all of a sudden you're going out there in free agency and teams definitely know at best case scenario, the cap's staying the same. 
but maybe it could even go down. Like we all never even imagined that, but it could happen. Uh, I think it stays the same. But what if it did go down, right? Then all of a sudden it would probably affect other things that they were going to do and plan on doing, and then maybe some guys don't get signed. You know, and that's so that there's a risk factor. I think that right now everybody's weighing. One of the players that uh, Rick just mentioned, uh, Tanner Lazinski, uh, just signed his ELC with the Flyers. We spoke about him um, at length on this show last week. But can you give us your, you know, he's he's been a dynamic player, put up some pretty impressive uh, stats this past year, his senior year. Can you give us your impressions of Lazinski and what you think he's going to bring to the Flyers organization? Yeah, having seen him like internationally and the last couple years in college live, uh, and interviewed him a couple years ago in, in Lehigh, where he clearly steered clear of the Flyers. But you figured he was gone at that point. That was no big deal. I, no, he, he's a terrific player. I think it's been interesting how when he was drafted, we all said, yeah, he's a center. And then because of need, they started using him on the wing. And then now he's back at center, right? And so mm-hmm. the versatility will serve him well because you never know what's going to happen you know, with the Flyers, it looks like there's a 4C spot open, but then all of a sudden, what if there isn't, then maybe he has to be a wing. He's at least able to do that. I like him a lot on face-offs, so I think think there's a chance that he could walk in and be a 4C and do the face-offs and not have a problem. He's he's big, he's physical, he's fast, he's smart. I, I think he's got a great shooting accuracy. If he's, you know... Around the net, it's really high, but he's also a guy that can, can pop in a great wrist shot from other spots. I don't think he's going to be a dynamic scorer in the NHL, but I think he'll put up some points. And so I think he's one of these rare guys like, you know, no offense to like, you know, Vecchione, who I liked as a player, but thought maybe he could play in the NHL. You know, I, I'm certain that Lisinski will. I don't know for how many years. I don't you know, team dynamic and everything else. You don't know how that's going to go. I'm sure he'll try and improve mm-hmm. on his skating, even though I think it's good. But but I think he's he's a really good one, and I think he had a lot of options. So I think the Flyers have to feel pretty fortunate that he did sign with them because, you know, he, he this year, him coming back, he didn't have a strong team, right? And I always felt like he always had to carry the load of the team every year I saw him and really the load on every shift. And so I think that kind of, I don't want to say pressure, but just, the fact that he had to do that all the time will help him try and be an NHLer, and that's why I think he, he's a good risk for that. Another recent Flyers signing, uh, Wyatt Wiley. Uh, could you also give us your, your thoughts on, on him and his potential? Yeah, I actually wrote a nice article about Wyatt um, on Sportsology.com, my website, and after camp last year, really liked him. He um, – He's an offensive defenseman. I think his offense has been getting better every year. He is a really good skater already. It's it's interesting because a lot of times when when you're playing in that Everett, Washington area, East Coast people don't get to see the player, right? You just don't. Mm-hmm. And and so you might catch, you know, some video if the guy makes the top prospects game, you get to see him there, but you don't get to see him enough. And and so. Some of those guys I'll pay more attention to in camp and scrimmage because I'm only seeing video. And, and he's really passed every test for me. And, and it's not to say he's going to be a top-pairing, top-power play guy because he's not. I, I think he could be a third-pair, second-power play kind of guy. 
And will he get that chance? You know, you don't know. You don't know how it's going to go, you know, with the team because unless they use two guys on the top pair, you know, those kinds of spots are going to be kind of thin, right? And with Shane Gossespierre and everything else, you don't know what his future is going to be. So he's going to have to work into that. So could he play like a third pair and, and, and give you some offense in a couple, you know, three years? Yeah. Yeah, I think he can, maybe even in two years. But I think because they have, they're have they flush with defensemen and, and prospects. I mean, look, we you still have to give Ron Hextall and Chris Pryor yes. tremendous credit because they built the mm-hmm. system. Whatever, you know, whatever fans want to say beyond that, that's fine. But they built this system, and they've had a lot of guys get graduated and a lot of guys get signed already. And mm-hmm. it's one of the more successful regimes in the last five, six years of drafting. So maybe even – might even be able to go ten, but I haven't had a chance to really look at that. And I think, and I think this is a good example. I mean, again, you know, he he's going to be twenty one soon. He has a really good shot. I think he's smart. I think he understands the game, and he's learned how to spend more time in the offensive zone. That was something that he um, he told me about because it's it's like the Eric Carlson theory. And trust me, I don't compare players. So I'm not comparing those two. But what I'm saying is we used to always talk about there would be this argument, well, Eric Carlson's not that good defensively. Yeah, but if he has the puck and he continues to hold on to the puck and you don't have it, then that's good enough because that's, you know, that is a defensive method. It's just mm-hmm. not in the way you, you think. And I and they're teaching Wiley that. And with his skating ability and everything else, that's really good. thing that he has going for him, too, is he was a right-handed, he's a right-handed shot. And so that's always in, in great demand as well. So yeah. whether he plays, whether he is a a trade chip down the line, it's something. But I, you know, I thought after this past camp, they would be ready to give him a contract. And you know, glad to see they finally did. Now, of course, for our. Montreal Canadiens fans uh, who who listen to our podcast as well. Rick, you had a you had a Canadiens tie-in that you wanted to ask as well. I well, it, yeah, just to kind of help make that connection uh, between our listeners, uh, some of whom are are Canadiens fans, and and yourself, and and uh, you had a, a long association as a broadcaster with uh, Cornell, and of course, when whenever a Canadiens fan thinks of Cornell, it's Ken Dryden, and yep. as long ago as, as it was, um, Dryden had an unbelievable career at Cornell. Lost, I don't know, four games out of the eighty that he played in his, yeah, his college career. Four. I just, I was just talking about it earlier on a show, and that's the only reason I know. <laughs> but yeah, well, there you go. We, we're Which is still weird. talking we're, about we it today. We were talking about great goalies, and so of course Ken Dryden comes up. Yeah, um, but what what did did Ken Dryden mean to the? I know he was honored a few years ago at Cornell, but what what did he mean to the uh, growth of hockey there and 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 his image um, at Cornell? I mean, I, I think a tremendous amount. Yeah, they they did have a, a jersey ceremony for him. You could say whatever you want, and I don't know that Cornell team right because I saw when I was watching Ken Dryden play in the NHL, I was probably. At 12, something like that, 10, 12, about 10, 12. So I wasn't getting college games 
definitely not Cornell, even on Long Island, right, even though it's in the same state. But I've done a lot of talking, asking, and everything else. And, and from what I was able to ascertain, he, he meant everything to that program because he, that, that level of dominance is not normally seen in college hockey by any kind of goalie. Like, you know, four losses. Like, if, if you want to say, hey, he had a great defense, you know, I'm probably going to argue with you because even a, a great defense, most goalies are going to lose four games <laughs> in a year. Right. Yeah. Right. It's just normal. But but Dryden was just so mentally strong, and he was one of the few goalies of his era that, even though he was big, didn't really have a big five hole, and really wasn't like slow and lumbering. He wasn't fast, but he needed got to where he needed to go. He had good good motions. It wasn't like he had any kind of hitch. Good glove hand. Didn't have. He always had good rebound control. And so like if you do those things. And you could pop in the occasional goal, you could win a lot of games. And so, yeah, he he meant everything. And, you know, now Cornell is a hell of a program again. I mean, this yeah. year they were just tremendous, right? This is a tough thing yeah. for them because, yeah, this, this was, you know, they had a nice year going. Kind of keeping along with the, the Canadians theme there. And in just a moment, we're actually going to talk about uh, a new book that, that you've uh, written that's coming out in a week um but i want to get your thoughts on uh, one player who is in that book uh keeping with this habs theme and that's caden primo who of course Mm -hmm. um had a had a substantial um college hockey presence as well just a quick synopsis you know he's his rookie season of course in pro hockey got cut a little bit short or is is currently on pause but what what are the biggest things from his college game do you think are are the strengths and weaknesses that he will need to deal with as as he develops as a pro? Well, I think you know physically, I, I think he's getting there. He he really got beat up at the uh, the last bean pot that he played in, and still he almost came out of the game. I remember he almost got run over. He got run over, and and he was down, and he still came stayed in, and yet won another bean pot. And that to me showed me a lot. I mean, I've I've followed him really since the beginning. I mean, I'm close to Voorhees, so obviously I know who his mm-hmm. dad is. I've seen, his, I've seen his dad out scouting at, like, USHL games, so I'd seen him as well. And it was interesting because I felt early on, maybe his first year in college, he wasn't that great, and then something kicked in. Like, he was really good in international play, but in college play it was different, right? It was for whatever reason I, I, I saw that there was a difference. And that being kind of told me, all right, you know what, this guy now is really locked in. He doesn't give up that many rebounds. He's tough. He battles. He's smart. You know, we all know the stories about, you know, how, why he chose to be a goalie over his mm-hmm. dad. And, it's, you know, and, and obviously it was the right move. And there was no pressure for him based on that. His dad was real good. Keith was real good at not really putting pressure on him, not even talking about him a ton. And I think that's all helped him. I think it was fortuitous with injuries that he got to, you know, get that that look in the NHL, and you know he wasn't going to stay. I mean, he he is probably the successor for Carey Price, but they're probably going to go another two or three with Price as a starter, and you know eventually he'll be the backup, and and he'll have to live with that, and that's fine. I think you know there's only so many goalie jobs to go around, but I, I really like him. If you think about it, uh, did Ron Hextall do Keith Primo a favor by trading that pick 
to the Canadians, the answer is yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> You'll never say it on record, but the answer is yes. Uh-huh. And, and we saw that this year with Caden Primo, um, you know, uh, they had an up and down kind of um, um, uh, slow start and, and, uh, and lost a bunch of games, wasn't playing very well, even when he got called up to the Canadians. But it's, it's uh, once he, and that was all in that goalie rotation that uh, Joel Bouchard yeah. was doing. But once he became the guy, once, you know, the last few weeks, um, you know, that the, the knock on Caden was uh, during his draft year was that he wasn't always engaged. And, and we even saw some of that this year, but once he was mm-hmm. the guy, um, he's, he's played really well. And you see that confidence you see, and you hear him almost a cockiness uh, that can help pick up the team. Yeah, he he definitely rides that, and I still think he's pretty humble. He might be cocky as a player, like you feel the confidence as a player, but when you hear him, he, he's pretty humble. And and I like those kinds of guys that even though they have a lot of talent, that they're humble. But but I think you're right. It's not like like Carey Price. Like I you know I saw him in the uh, Calder Cup Championship against the uh, Hershey. And it was like him against Neuwirth, right? And Neuwirth was actually the guy that probably was the better goalie at the time in that league, even though Price was the big name. And and Price just was unbelievable. And at that point, you realized, okay, you know, Carey Price is special. But I don't think Primo had that kind of thing going for him. I don't even know if he still has that kind of thing going for him. I think it's had to be harder work and mm-hmm. and not all of the talent. And I think – I think it's all coming together for him. And I think that's the thing about goalies. I mean, sometimes it it comes together, you know, at 21, but a lot of times for goalies, it could go all the way to 24 or five. I mean, you know, Devin Dubnik is a good example of that. Absolutely. uh, We're, we're pretty excited. I'm excited to, um, to read your book. We got a kind of a sneak peek of, of sticks and stones. And, um, and as we said, Caden Primo is, is one of the chapters also noticed, um, and again, that connection to Canadian stands, Tony Granado, the head coach of Wisconsin and, um, you know, news out a week or so uh, about a week ago that, that Cole Caulfield is going to return to, uh, Wisconsin under, uh, Granado's tutelage next year. Um, what can you say about, uh, Tony Granado as, as a head coach? I mean, Adam's the one that interviewed him, Adam Woden. He owns collegehockeynews.com to me, the best college hockey resource out there. Uh, he, Granado's the nicest guy in the world. We all remember him as a player. I've interviewed him in different circumstances, different teams that he's coached. I, I think players really like him. I think he's a player's coach. I think he's very intelligent. He hasn't really won the big game, though, right? So he's he's sort of getting that, I want to say, Joe Torre feel before Joe Torre started winning. <laughs> you know, like everybody likes yeah. Tony. So, you know, I think they all have faith in him, and I'm going to keep rooting for him. And, and I think Caulfield was smart to go back. Because, you know, he was on a pace where it looked like he could score like 30, 40 goals. And it slowed down for him a little. And I think part of it was the team. I think the team wasn't very good. But I also feel like, you know, he probably did hit a wall a little bit at one point during the year. So the shot's still there. The skating's still there. Let him work on some of the other things. And and that's fine. And I think that's Granado's gain. And I also think that's Caulfield's gain. I mean, again, you're never going to bitch about, or at least I'm never going to. I know some fans will. But I'm never going to bitch about a guy going back for another year or two of development if they're going to come into the NHL as a better player and more confident. And I think 
Caulfield never loses his confidence. Like, he's a kid that just doesn't. But you would like to see him have even a better year than he did. And so I think that's what he's looking to do next year. So the book is called Sticks and Stones, How College Mm -hmm. Hockey Prepares You for Life. Uh, It comes out next Tuesday, a week from today on April 7th. Um, Tell us a little bit, first of all, uh, tell us a little bit about what the book is about and how you settled on the title. Title's hard. Like you just, title is like the last thing I do now. (laughs) Uh, We we wanted to do a, a college hockey book. This is an idea that, that I came up with. I, I got Adam in, enlisted because he's the best college hockey guy I know. And we just started writing. And I'm telling you for months, we had no idea what the title was. No idea. The publisher actually helped us with part of it. We we figured out part of it. And, and it just sort of worked. We, um, you know, the way we look at college hockey is not everybody's going to be a superstar pro. But if you're going and you're getting a free ride and getting an education, then part of what is bringing you there, the hockey, is also helping you to, you know, move on in life. And maybe, you know, you're going to work in business. Maybe you're going to be a coach. Maybe, you know, you're going to be some of those other things. And I think a guy mm-hmm. in this book who best exemplifies that is Steve Carell of The Office because he was a college goalie. So he's in the book. He did Very okay. nice. So <laughs> he did okay. So uh, so this is a, a collection of stories, or is this more of yeah, an analytical, of statistical stories. kind of book? It's not statistical. It's really a collection of stories, and it's, you know, different players, different stories. You know, Kale McCarr is in there. Uh, it's not always the best player either. You know, Cami Granato's in there. I mean, she's just unbelievable. Uh, it's just, it, it was like, did, you know, did the story have something where it sort of hit you? And, and meaning me or Adam, and and so we would kind of do it based on that. I mean, you know, we have Martin St. Louis, we have Angela Ruggiero, we have Blaine Locker, you know. So there we go. We sometimes go back far. We sometimes don't. We have George Paros. We, you know, Mike Richter, you know, he's talking about brain injuries in this. Mm-hmm. So we, and, you know, and, and I'll tell you, one for Richter because, you know, I wrote a book, 100 Ranger Greats, and then I followed it up with another Ranger book, uh, the one thing I noticed out there was there wasn't very much about Mike Richter's college career. And so I, when I did catch up with him and I asked him about it, he had to really think about it because even he realized, yeah, you know, I haven't talked about this in a long time, but he did. And he gave me some memories about it. And cause that was the one thing me growing up as a Richter fan before I was even a writer uh, was, yeah, I just don't know enough about his career. And so I was happy to get, you know, some info on that and so put that together and you know the Steve Carell thing just that was an accident found out you know he hasn't done much talking about it over the years but there's also a picture in there of Steve on with his team picture so that's that's kind of nice we'll see if you know you could pick him out there uh <laughs> you know I have a picture of me in the NCAA trophy and you know it's captioned you know I wish I was a national champion because why not everybody would that's right it's a cool thing now, now, an interesting name in the uh, chapter list, and again, there's a Canadian's connection, is Jim Montgomery. Of course, Jim Montgomery yep. traded uh, for Guy Carboneau a year after the Canadians won their last Stanley Cup. And Jim Montgomery, uh, you know, uh, as far as a college coach, excellent excellent record at Denver, but yep. he's had his uh, difficulties uh, recently and, and um, an interesting um, choice to, to add as a chapter in the book. Yeah, he... 
this was all pre that, right? Because we had been working on this for the last year. So Montgomery was in there because of his legendary college career, but also just because, yeah, he he's got a lot of stories about college hockey. And if you go through it, and that was another one of Adams. And if you go through it, you realize the threads of teams and everything else that he, you know, he talks about and different eras. It's tremendous. So yeah, we we have a lot of respect for Jim Montgomery and. And, yeah, a guy like that is a perfect example of, you know, like for college hockey coaching. Like that's – that's it's coaching excellence, right? I mean, it really is. Mm-hmm. I noticed – it's funny. You know, we have Shane Gossespierre here, and for some reason they just put Gossespierre. That's funny. I'm sure Shane will <laughs> laugh at that too. Um, you know, for Minnesota Duluth, we just have a Minnesota Duluth section because I talk about the um, – the uh, Cates brothers, Noah and his brother, and okay. you know Noah's a Flyers property, and I he's a draftee of theirs, and I, I really like him, and he maybe is a guy that we'll hear about soon, or maybe he'll go back, you know, for another year. I'm not sure. And then you know his brother was in camp last year for the Flyers. They invited him to this last rookie camp, so that was a situation where you know I got to talk to both of them about, and I covered the Frozen Four last year so i you know but it was nice it was nice you know jackson is his brother and we were able to talk about those things and talk about the championships and you know how important is it to win another one and what's you know so those kinds of things are fun so it's not always the player you think it's going to be that's profiled you know sometimes it's somebody else who has an interesting ride to the nhl or just is interesting in general. You know, James Van Riemsdyk is always going to be remembered as the guy that's drafted behind Patrick Kane. But, you know, he's had a nice mm-hmm. career, had a nice college career. So, you know, he's in there too. Well, it's called Sticks and Stones, How College Hockey Prepares You for Life. You can pre-order it now at, uh, on Amazon. It comes out next week, April 7th. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I encourage everyone to go out and get it. Russ tells a great story. Um, and, and Appreciate what, it. You know, it's the perfect time. We're all stuck inside catching up on our <laughs> – What's that? Sorry. One more thing that it has that's kind of unusual um, – Adam and I kept having this conversation about Hobie Baker, and he was like, well, there's nothing we could do on him. Everybody's done everything on him, and so give that idea up. And I kept racking my brain, racking my brain. At some point, I started searching online to see if there was a scouting report on Hobie Baker, and there wasn't. Like, there's nothing. Like, you don't know. You know, huh. cause He was close to signing with the Canadians, actually, in the NHL. They offered yeah. him money, yeah. and he decided to go to uh, – to go to Wall Street instead. So it just tells you what the state of the NHL was at the time. <laughs> but but I, I spoke to um, Tim Burke, who uh, he's a Princeton alum, and he's also the assistant general manager for the San Jose Sharks. And I see him out a lot scouting, and I asked him if he would do a scouting report on Hobie Baker, and he's a real hockey historian, so he did. So there's actually oh, wow. a, a scouting report based on what Tim knows on Hobie Baker in there. And I thought, you know, that's kind of cool because Hobie Baker is the biggest name. And I was thrilled that not only could I get a college book published, but that I could have him in there in some way. And I cover a lot of, you know, fair amount of games out of Princeton a lot over the last 10, 15 years, but I get about three or four a year uh, based on my schedule. And so that was a thrill for me. Wonderful. Well, 
it's it's the perfect uh, time for a book like this to be published. Uh, everyone's catching up on their to-be-read list. So head over to Amazon. It's Sticks and Stones, How College Hockey Prepares You for Life. Pre-order it now. It comes out next week. You also have um, another book that was actually just released recently, correct, called Baseball's yeah. Best Rookies? Yep. Yeah, it's a, it's a compilation. Um, I don't know if you – where you guys went to school, but, like, where I went to school, we we could order – from the Scholastic Book Club. I think that's still lives oh, yeah. on. And so I this book is done in, in the vein of the Scholastic Book Club. Because like, I used to get thrilled, you know, just being in class and all of a sudden they'd pass around the list. I'd go home and I'd be like, i got to get two or three of these, Mom. And she would just, you know, give me the money. <laughs> and and, I would, and it would be great. I'd wait for them to come. And so that's what this book is, is like. And so there's a lot of uh, interesting people. This is a second edition, but some people may have missed the first. Uh, Fred Clare wrote the uh wrote the intro because the Dodgers have had the most rookies of the year. And you know, there's mm-hmm. local guys like here in New Jersey, Mike Trout, there's Mets in there like Jacob DeGrom, Dwight Gooden, there's Dwight Gooden's even on the uh on the back cover with a quote, Mike Piazza's in there. Uh we just recently added Bryce Harper, Shoei Otani. So we added some some of the newer guys as a list of the greatest uh, rookies of the year all time. It's all based, you know, Tom Seaver's in there. It's all based on their rookie season, though. We don't talk about anything else. It's just things that happened in their rookie season stories, some of them, some really good stories. There's a Seaver story in here that is definitely unknown, and that was a lot of fun getting that story. It was before he was a Met. So those kinds of things are fun, and uh, yeah. That book uh, is out now. Either one of them, if you could order on Amazon, or you could just hit me up at, at Sportsology, and if you want a signed copy, and you know, I'll ship it to you. Perfect. We love it. So, uh, yes, be sure to check out Russ's website, Sportsology.com. You can find him on Twitter, at Sportsology. Russ Cohen, thank you so much for your insight. Best of luck with the book. Uh, we're looking forward to reading it, and thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks very much. Appreciate coming on. You know, Rick, it was great to have Russ uh, on the show. He uh, always has some great stories to tell. And, and really, his book sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I'm looking forward to reading it. And I really hope I really hope plenty of people head over and uh, look that up on Amazon and get your pre-order in. It's going to be pretty fun. A real nice collection of, of stories uh, with uh, something to interest everybody. The, the chapter titles are all... Uh, uh, essentially, players' names and and uh, um, our listening audience uh, will recognize uh, most of them, and, and uh, um, I'm I'm sure that uh, that they will they will enjoy uh, reading the stories that were put together. Um, I thought it was interesting that um, we talked to to Russ a couple of days ago about some of the uh, those college players that were out there, uh, some free agents who had potential to sign. And, and uh, just after we, uh, we recorded that uh, one of those uh, players, uh, Jack Ashan from St. Cloud um, signed with the Boston Bruins. Uh, uh, Ashan was, uh, was an undrafted player signed as a free agent um, and uh, uh, kind of an undersized mobile defenseman. He was the captain of St. Cloud and, and, um, and you see that, that uh, our conversation was right on point with uh, with Russ, and and he's certainly very knowledgeable about all of those uh, prospects that, that we talked about. And it was uh, it was great to have him uh, on the show, and and uh, I look forward to 
to reading his book in detail. Absolutely. Um, well, you know, as we said earlier, be sure you're following us on social media. You can find us at the AHL Report. You can find Rick at All Habs. You'll find me at Flyers Rule. Um, and and Rick, if if people want to either go back and listen to earlier episodes of the podcast, or if they want to catch uh, Canadians Connection, our our other podcast uh, that airs live on Saturday afternoons, if they've missed it or or want to be sure to tune in, what's the best way for people to find our podcast? Uh, the first way is is go to our uh, websites. Uh, the the website um, attached to this program is ahlreport.com, and you'll find uh, all the the uh, episodes uh, from the press box right there. Uh, for Canadians Connection, which is our live podcast that airs every Saturday with uh, Joe Whalen uh, and myself. Um, uh, you can go to ah uh, to uh, allhabs.net. And um, and you can uh, listen that way. But, uh, you know, you all have your own um, uh, favorite podcast apps. Um, if you want to listen to us there, uh, just search for Rocket Sports Radio, Rocket Sports Radio, subscribe to Rocket Sports Radio um, and uh, and you'll get all of our our content and uh, delivered right to you. That's wonderful, and we encourage you to do that. Um, one last note before we sign off for today, just want to give a happy birthday shout-out to my colleague Chris G., uh, the AHL Report. His birthday was yesterday, so um, happy birthday, Chris. We hope you enjoyed your day. Um, and, uh, yeah, from all of us here at Rocket Sports Media and the AHL Report and from the Press Box, we're so glad that you joined us again this week. Guarantee next week the first episode in the month of April. It's going to be jam-packed full with lots more information and updates for you, so you don't want to miss it. We appreciate you being here each and every week. And, Rick, we just want everyone to stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, and to keep tuning in for more hockey news. And keep on.